I want to look at four verses in uh, Matthew chapter 7 here, and I want to share with you about the trip, but do so in uh, coupled with the truth of God's Word, and uh, you're going to see it really come alive when I get to this third point. We're going to be talking about storms this morning. Jesus, here in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, you all know the passage, what we call the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is uh, teaching about, uh, about the kingdom, uh, teaching about uh, the, the multitudes there regarding his uh, coming to the earth and Talking about those that are going to be a part of it. Speaks differently than they're used to hearing the Pharisees teach. Pharisees were all about outward um, performance-based religion. Jesus spoke about the heart. He talked about the intent and the motives of the heart. More about the outward actions. And it, all that he spoke about, he concluded it with these four verses, down in verse, beginning in verse 24. And that's where I want us to camp out this morning. He said, therefore, in light of all that I've spoken to this point, of all that I've told you, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, two key words, does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. And it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. I want us to look, first of all, at the inevitable certainty of storms. I want you to look back at um, verse 25. And the rain descended, floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. Hurricane Dorian was the most intense tropical cyclone on record to strike the Bahamas and is regarded as the worst natural disaster in the, in the country's history. It was also one of the most powerful hurricanes recorded in the Atlantic Ocean in terms of one-minute sustained winds, with these winds peaking at 185 miles per hour. It was the fourth named storm, second hurricane, and the first major hurricane of the 2019 Atlantic hurricane season. Dorian struck the Abaco Islands on September 1 with maximum sustained winds of 185 miles per hour. Dorian went on to strike Grand Bahama at similar intensity, stalling just north of the territory with unrelenting winds for at least 24 hours. The resultant damage to these islands was catastrophic. Most structures were flattened or swept to sea, and at least 70,000 people were left homeless. What I just shared with you, I took from Wikipedia. 
most of us are familiar with the August to October hurricane season. Uh, we, we even think about our uh, vacation schedules and try to schedule accordingly. Uh, some of these um, places even have uh, vacation sites have what's called hurricane insurance, storm insurance, just in case something uh, out of the ordinary prevents you from coming like a big hurricane coming through. You're not going to lose your deposit or your money. This insurance will cover it. So we're, we're aware of that. They're going to come. Same can be said about late spring and early summer when tornadoes rack much of the Midwest and southern states. One thing that history has shown us is that storms are certain. They're certain. They're going to come. Don't know when, don't know how, but they're coming. Now, before I go further, I want to remind each of us here that in, in the text here, Jesus is not talking and trying to teach us about material architectural construction. <laughs> He's talking about how we build our lives. He's talking about the heart of man. And he's talking about how we build our own lives, the inner man. Can I tell you one thing that life has taught me? Storms are inevitable. Just as sure as the sun sets this evening, and praise the Lord, we saw the early beautiful sun rise this morning. Paul, where'd you go? There you are. Uh, I'm like you, brother. I love that sunshine. Oh, it looked and felt nice. I heard yesterday upwards of 70 degrees tomorrow. Is this February? Yeah. This has been a mild, mild winter. I'm not complaining. No. I'm not complaining about it. Just as surely as the sun will set this evening and rise again in the morning, a storm will overwhelm some of us in this room in the year 2020. Some of you, probably, as many folks as are sitting here this morning, I guarantee you there's some folks going through some storms in this room this morning. I'm not talking about the tornadoes. I'm not talking about the hurricanes. I'm talking about those storms that come in various forms, shapes, and sizes. They might come in the form of a medical report. They might come in the form of a, of a financial disaster or the death of a loved one. Or the area of personal relationships. Maybe a child or a grandchild goes prodigal. Maybe a spouse breaks his or her marriage vow. I mean, we could go on and on and on and on. Life is filled with storms. And every person in the sound of my voice, is susceptible to these storms. Don't know when, don't know how, but storms and suffering is inevitable. And every one of us will endure the heartbreak of life's storms from time to time. But for the believer, for the Christian, the one who's washed in the blood of the Lamb, the issue is not about if, when, where, and how. It's rather God, 
what will I allow you to teach me in spite of the suffering in the midst of the storm? And God will teach me if my spirit is willing and humble and my heart is pure and receptive. Just a little side note, I thought about this as I was preparing this. 1 Peter 3.18 says that for Christ also once suffered for our sins. And the verse goes on to say the just for the unjust that he might bring us to God. Now I want you to look at those two words, once suffered. For Christ also once suffered. A couple things come to my mind. Number one, why only once? Well, we know the answer to that because of the merits and perfection of the sacrifice. When the perfect comes, there's no need for another. Number two, I want you to think about this. If the perfect Son of Man suffered for our sins, why should we think we should never have to suffer while living in this world? Yet, I, I confess to you, uh, it's, been a, it's been a journey of working through some of these things in my own heart, my own life, uh, throughout the decades of Christian living. Um, I want things to be easy. I want things to be comfortable. And I try to keep everything in that mode of comfort and ease and honor. And it finally, after several of these storms, it finally hit me. Phil, why do you think that everything is going to always be just... That's really a topic for another time, but I'll throw that out there and let you chew on that later. Number two, I want us to look at the incredible devastation of storms. Look back at uh, verse 26. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain descended, the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell and great was its fall. Every storm has its own signature as it relates to its damage. Hurricane Katrina back in, I think, 2005, uh, Jimmy and I and some others uh, were there on a, a team uh, right outside New Orleans, St. Bernard Parish, uh, right after Katrina came through. Uh, it's known throughout Louisiana and, and Mississippi uh, for its immense flooding. The tornadoes sweeping through the Midwest and the South are known for the incredible wind damage and the demolishing of property. The devastating fires that ravage the West Coast, and even as we speak in Australia. Are known for leaving nothing but ashes and rubble in their path. Not to mention the loss of lives in each of these scenarios. And we could go on and on and on and on about the storms. Storms are destructive. Storms are devastating. Throughout the Grand Bahamas, Freeport, and High Rock, we witnessed the devastating footprint of Hurricane Dorian. Uh, Freeport 
there on the, the west end sustained mostly flooding. Story after story after story of families trying to flee and get to shelter. As they had experienced something they had never experienced before. Here we are, we're in our homes, we're just riding out the storm, the wind and the rain, and all of a sudden we look and we see the ocean is in coming up the street. <laughs> it's coming into my yard. It's coming into my house. It's getting deeper. We got to get out of here. And they're panicking, trying to get to a shelter. Many were trapped in their homes. Some didn't make it. Uh, many escaped into what they call the manhole. Uh, we have them in our homes. There's little stairways that goes up into the attic at the end of a hall or in, the, in a closet. I rode on the, uh, coming back uh, from, we flew out of Nassau, coming back to uh, Atlanta. Uh, sat beside a young lady who was, uh, student at uh, Georgetown, and uh, she had just come home uh, that weekend, and she was on her way back to school. She said it was the first time she had been there since, since after the storm, and uh, she was telling about her uncle, uh, who out, lived out in Freeport, um, not Freeport, but High Rock, and I'll tell you about that in a minute. Um, she said that uh, he was confined to a wheelchair, said the family tried their best to try to get him to come and save us one of them. Nope, staying here by myself. Rode my, you know the rest of the story. I've been through this before. I've been through, I'll be fine. Obviously, you know the rest of the story. He didn't survive. Overwhelmed by the flood. Several of you read my email about Donnie. Young man that I met at a fishing camp. Donnie was probably about Oh, I'm estimating about 45 years of age, somewhere thereabouts. Uh, I'll never forget him. Um, he had stayed there at this place of business, at the fishing camp where he, where he worked during the storm. And uh, he took me around the camp and showed me the destruction and told me what happened during the storm and what he experienced and on and on and on. And then he told me this. He says, and when the storm was over, I went home. And he said, my house, my wife, my son, and my grandson were missing. He didn't say they were gone. He just kept saying they were missing. They're missing. And I can still hear his voice as he said, and I've got to believe that one day, I've got to believe that one day, I'll hear a voice maybe coming up the beach there behind me, saying, Donnie, and I'll turn and I'll look and I'll see it's my family. <laughs> Individuals told of how the tide on the south side of the island was sucked out past the reef. The ocean was empty, took all that water, blew it around on the back side of the north side of the island and then brought it back across like a tsunami and just absolutely leveled everything in its path. Spoke with a lady in Freeport 
told of a gentleman in her church out in uh, High Rock that um, got caught in the surge with his seven-year-old son. He's holding on to a tree with one arm and his seven-year-old son in the other until he couldn't hold him any longer. And his seven-year-old son got swept out the tree. Another similar story. Another man holding on to a tree with one arm and his mother with the other. And something struck his arm with such force in that surge that it severed his arm and his mother was swept out of the tree. I mean, the stories go on and on and on. Another gentleman told me that he worked with the police and the firefighters rescuing people during the storm. And he joined them in the recovery after the storm. He told of one family there in High Rock, he said there was 14 members of this family. He said they were all swept out the tree. We recovered four bodies. Again, the stories go on and on and on, but I don't want to dwell there. I want to focus the rest of our time on the other side of the coin. Point number three. I want us to look at the restricted limits of storms. Look back at verse 24. Therefore, whoever hears these words, these sayings of mine, and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. We were told before we were deployed, matter of fact, we were on a conference call, that there was 10 of us, um, eight chaplains and two coordinators, uh, two coordinators out of California and um, the other chaplains from all different areas around the country. Um, we were on a conference call about a week before we left, and uh, we were told on that conference call, they said, now, guys, you're going to see that uh, the Bahamas uh, has a strong, strong Christian. There's a strong Christian influence there. Well, practically speaking, I, I didn't know exactly what that meant. I've been to some uh, islands there in the Caribbean before. I've been to Jamaica and different places. I've been down in South America and Central America. Um, one of our first assignments Monday morning I got a glimpse real quick no it was more than a glimpse I saw what they were talking about uh, two ladies Sharon and Christine were teamed with me and we went out to the eight mile clinic there on the west end of Freeport in the Grand Bahamas The hospital was devastated. Uh, matter of fact, they told us that when the, when the waters finally receded, they went in, opened up the hospital, they found sharks and other fish inside the hospital <laughs> where the winds had been, uh, the waters and everything had blown the windows out and everything just washed right inside. Uh, the, the hospitals, it was non-existent. Uh, for your information, I'll tell you the Franklin Graham Ministry uh, 
Samaritan's Purse put in a quarter of a million dollars immediately and went in and constructed a mobile hospital there right in the center of Freeport. They donated that to them. Uh, absolutely, I wish I had time to share some of the stories from there. I did not get to uh, minister there at the hospital. One of our teams did throughout the week. Some incredible stories that came out of that. But we went out the first morning, Sharon, Christine, and I, to the eight-mile clinic. They were speaking with the women. I was speaking with the men. Just going in, we're, we're listening to their story. What's the story? And uh, there were mostly women there that we didn't know uh, what they were doing that particular day, but as it turned out, it was baby day. Well, we had all these mamas and all these kids there, <laughs> and there were a few men around, but uh, not that many. So I ended up finding myself coming back out of the clinic before them, and I found a gentleman sitting on the end of a bench. An older gentleman sitting there, and I introduced myself and got to talking to him and asked him, I said, what's, what's your story? Where were you? Well, and he proceeded to tell what I heard over and over and over again. Well, you know, I was there in my house. The waters came in and started coming up on the walls. We had to get out of there, and water eventually got up about six, six, six and a half feet. So, of course, it destroyed everything in the, in the house. We lost everything, but God is so good. He said, God is so good. He's provided. He's taken care of me all these years, and he's going to take care of me going forward. He's, and he started testifying, and he kept testifying. And he said, I just want to tell you how good my God is. God's so good. And he talked more about the goodness of God than he did about the stuff he lost. Now, I want you to follow me on this. Sitting down on the end of the bench is an elderly lady. When he finally slowed down long enough to take a breath, she took off. She said, oh, let me tell you how, God, how good God is. And she started testifying. And she took off. Well, I'm sitting here just, I'm having myself a time. Well, in a minute, she started singing. She took off on a song. I can tell you right now, the song would not make the top ten of a Christian billboard chart. But I'm telling you, I guarantee it rung bells in heaven. Son, she started singing. It was a song either she or somebody in her family had made up, but it was based on John 10, 10. And she started singing. She's saying, Old devil, you came through this land and you tried to destroy us. You tried to steal our stuff. You tried to kill. You tried to, oh, but let me tell you about someone greater than you who has come through here. His name is Jesus. And uh, honey, she kept on, oh, I'm about to be raptured. She's just a, singing this old glorious song that one of them around there has made up. And it just, she's praising God of glory. She ain't talking about the stuff they lost. She's praising God for his goodness and his faithfulness. And he's going to be faithful again. And when she got through, I took off on a hymn. I don't know what it was. I can't remember the hymn, but it just immediately came to my mind, and I started singing. When I got about to the third word, they knew it. They joined me. Well, we started singing. And all three of us sitting there, I was standing. They were sitting on the bench. We just started singing and having church. 
and I, whatever hymn it was, I got to the end of it, took off on another, and just took off on some Jesus songs, Jesus choruses. There's just something about that name. His name is wonderful. Uh, and on and on and on. We sang for I don't know how long. We just had church there on the porch of that clinic. Honey, that happened over and over and over and over again. We would encounter individuals who would tell of how the water came in, flooded everything, and had to, they had to scramble to shelter. And here is an actual quote by one of the residents down there. Yes, we lost all of our stuff, but we didn't lose our praise. I think I'll say that one more time. We lost all of our stuff, but we didn't lose our praise. Praise God. Can I tell you God's good? He's a great God. We would spend the overwhelming majority of our time, most of the time, in most of the contacts that we make, we would spend the overwhelming majority of our time with these folks, listening to them testify to the goodness of God, quoting scripture, singing, not about what they liked. When I got back, I was reading some uh, material from Charles Stanley, and I wrote down this quote. It just fit. <laughs> Charles Stanley writes, God knows the cure for a heart weighed down by concerns and irritations. Praise God. Kind of reminds me of something that uh, I believe we've heard before. Does God not inhabit the praise of his people? I believe that's what the word tells us, right? I saw it manifested in those people over and over again. I spoke with a pastor who had offered his church building. It was one of the largest ones there in the area uh, as a shelter. Before the storm, he contacted the officials and says, well, they came and they looked at it and they told him, said, I'm sorry, but you don't, it doesn't meet qualifications, uh, regulations. It, he said, uh, we didn't have a large enough kitchen and there was something else. And, and uh, he said, I'm sorry, we can't use it. And he said, okay, all right. So as it turned out, and we had just driven by this place before we got to his, there was another building, and you could see it from his parking lot about a quarter of a mile from us, he was, his building was up on the little knoll there, and out about another quarter of a mile down in the flat was another building out there that we had driven by, and we had seen the whole side of the wall collapse. That was the building that there in their area that they had chosen to use as a shelter. <laughs> he said, um, he said, there's about 15 of us uh, 15 or 20 of us uh, here in our church, we decided, family members, whatever, we decided we'd just come here in our, our uh, church building and ride out the storm. And then he said this. Of course, he had no idea what was going on outside the four walls of his church. But he said, we started realizing that the waters were coming in to the land. The ocean was coming in on us. And he said this, and I quote, when the waters came up, 
the people ran into the church, talking about his church building. What had happened, this other building down there was full of people, and in the middle of the storm, the, this side wall just absolutely collapsed. Well, you know the rest of that story. Whoa, let's get out of here. And they all ran and ran up toward the higher ground and to his, and here they come. 1,500, listen to this. 1,500 people. He said, we had no security. He said, I'm thinking to myself, what in the world are we going to do? We haven't planned for this. He said, there were black people. There were white people. There were people in wheelchairs. There were criminals. He said, these folks that... He said, they're what we call house arrest, they got the little ankle bracelets on. He said, they were in there. He said, people with their animals. He said, I'm thinking, oh, my soul and body, what in the world are we going to do? And he said, this place is packed, 1,500 people in here. Now, he had, praise the Lord, had a place big enough for them. And he said, we weren't there hardly any time at all. He said, some of our folks got up on the platform and started singing. He said, everybody joined in. We started singing. And he said, son, then somebody started testifying. Somebody else testified. And we had a testimony service. And then we prayed. And we prayed. And we prayed. He said, we take a break. He said, a couple hours go by. Somebody starts singing again. Well, here we go. We had us another church service. He said, that went on and on and on for two days. Folks, we said, we watched it on the news. You saw it. It just sat there for two days. He said, for two days we were in here. And he said, we sung and we testified and we prayed. And he said, we had zero incidents. Zero incidents. God's so good to us. I wish I had time to tell you all about this one right here. We went, and one of the reasons that we were going to um, our particular team was going to the churches, and simply because of my experience, they had asked me to take our team and do this, was as we were going throughout neighborhoods and businesses and what have you, if you see a church building, go there, try to find the pastor or the bishop, leadership, whomever, and just let them know about some future training that's coming, um, that the Billy Graham Rapper's Response Chaplains are going to be coming uh, back down there in, uh, in the latter part of November and going to be doing some more training. Just let them know about it. We gave them the location and uh, a phone number that they could contact and uh, get additional information, et cetera. So that's why we were going to these various churches. We went to this one particular church, and we pulled up in front of it, <coughs> and um, we walked inside, and there's three ladies sitting there, similar situation to what I've just described. They, yeah, we we had this happen, da-da-da, so forth and so on, and, and they just start, well, God's been good, though. Uh, he's been so good to us, and uh, one of the ladies uh, even said this. She said, you know, before the storm, she said, I can tell you, jobs were scarce, Prices were skyrocketing. And she said, we go into the grocery store, come out two little old bags, and it'd be over $100. 
And I thought, I can feel your pain. And that was a joke. That was We have nothing here compared to that. Uh, there's no comparison between here and there. But anyway, and uh, she said, uh, she's talking about how, how expensive everything was. And she says, now, look at after, look after the store. She said, all these people and businesses from around the globe have sent all these things in here. And they were using these churches as distribution points for the supplies that were coming in, for the food and for the water and for the clothing. And she says, look at this. And they had a distribution center out in the back of their church. She says, God's blessed us with that. She says, now we, we have people sending us these donations of food and clothing and things. She said, that's God in the midst of the storm. He's, he's taking care of us. And, and on and on they start. She said, here, come, let, let's show you. And they took us back in the back and went back there, and here's four or five more people back there. Honey, we had church again. Here they come. They went the, this one lady in particular absolutely blessed my heart. She started quoting scripture, and she was just a walking Bible. And just on and on and on. Boom, boom, boom. Just quoting scripture after scripture after scripture. Talking about how good God was. And they were back there getting all this stuff together and distributing it out the back of the churches. That's one of the wise things that the, the government did when they saw all these supplies being donated and coming in down there. They said, who can we trust? put this out the way it needs to be put out. They contacted the churches, the YMCA, the Salvation Army. We were able to go to both of those places and just incredible, incredible people. Before we left there, we had us another church service. One of them started singing and here we went and we took off and it was just awesome, just absolutely awesome. I want to tell you about Pastor Steve. This was on Tuesday morning. Um, Sharon and Christine and I pulled up to this, another pretty good-sized church for that area. And uh, they had a distribution center out in the back of their church. We pulled around back there, and a lot of cars, people going in and out. We walked up. Um, we introduced ourselves and told them why we were there. And I, I asked, I said, is your pastor, is he here? And Sharon says, yeah, that's him right there. And, and I looked over, and here's this fella. Young man, about 60. <laughs> and he said, here, come, let me introduce you. So I said, okay. And he turned around, and he had a big bundle of bananas in his hand. He was, he was there with other people from his church helping distribute this, these foods supplies and household items and as soon as I laid my eyes on him just his countenance before he ever spoke a word told me this is one more beaten down tired worn out individual little did I know what story he was going to get he was going to end up telling me and I told him who I was while we were there and I said and we'd certainly like to pray for you before we leave come with me come with me and he took us back hallway. We went back. We sat down in his office. I can't tell you the whole story 
but simply stated, he said, yeah, I like everyone else. I, I lost everything. He said, the, the flood just destroyed everything in the house. He said, it wiped out my vehicle, too. He said, covered my car. Of course, ruined it. He said, I was able to get another car shortly after the storm. I was able to replace it. But he said, my wife, uh, said she's been having some problems. Matter of fact, for over a year. And his wife, Lania, came in uh, while we were talking there, and Christine was sharing, we were sharing with her, and I was speaking with Steve. And it was obvious she, she had some problems. And uh, again, I can't go into details. Um, but he said, after she left then, he said, yeah, we, we were able to get our car replaced. He says, but I've, uh, he said, I, I don't know what's going on with her. He said, I, and we tried to encourage him, you know, get her to a doctor. And, you know, he told me what, who they'd been to before. And uh, anyway, we tried to encourage the best we knew how. And my heart's just breaking when I look at that. And I just see the heaviness, not only just of the, the church, but his own situation. And then he said this, he said, she hadn't, I, ha, I, I could not allow her to drive her vehicle because of her erratic behavior. He said, it's gotten so obvious, her behavior, that even there in the church, it was, it was affecting the ministry. And uh, he said, just two days ago, he said, I finally, she became so belligerent about not being able to drive. I broke down and I said, I, I just couldn't take her anymore. I said, here, here's the key. Go. She said, she and our 14-year-old daughter, well, she said, there wasn't any time. I got a phone call. She doesn't run a stop sign. Bob decided another reason. He said, now my car's gone. I mean, the story, it just went on and on and on and on. I'm sitting here, by this time, tears are dropping off my chin. I'm trying my best to keep my composure. And I've only told you part of the story. But my heart absolutely broke for this man. With arms wrapped around him and us swapping tears back and forth. I loved on him best I knew how. Prayed for him. He took us on through his uh, church back through there and walked around, took a lot of pictures. And uh, again, shared with him best I could before we left. Got out in the car. Started van, started to pull out, and got about halfway across the parking lot, and I just, I lost it. And I threw it up in park, and of course, Christine and Sharon, they're bawling too, and I said, I don't know about you two, but I said, I think I've got to debrief before I go any further. They agreed, and we sat there and ran for a while. And <sighs> now, here's part of the story that I want you to catch. I've been able to stay in touch with Steve. Been able to, what I thought was going to be a mission of encouraging him <laughs> since I've returned. We've been back and forth quite often. But he's been a tremendous encouragement to me. He sent me numerous messages and words of encouragement and blessings in spite of all that he's gone through. 
He reminds me of the Apostle Paul over in the second letter of Corinthians where Paul writes, we are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. I got this from him recently. This was back on... um, January 21st. Yeah, here it is. Good morning. Praying for you and family. God's face continue to shine on you and give you peace. On Sunday, January 26th, I am taking the church members on a mission of faith to the eastern end of the island, the area where persons died and some are still missing after Dorian. We will walk about the community to meet all residents, hold an open-air service to declare God is still worthy of their trust, faith, and hope, in spite of what they had experienced during the hurricane. Also, we'll deliver relief items donated by membership. Please pray for us. Monday after the 26th, the 27th, I'll get this from him. Thank you for the prayers, Pastor. To God be all the glory. We had a wonderful worship experience in McLean's town. Great group. Many were encouraged to continue trusting God despite their Dorian experience. Decisions were made to follow Christ. God bless you, Pastor. Yes, sir. And he goes on to make it. Again, there's more to that story. I don't have time to get into it right now. But I want to ask you to pray for Pastor Steve. And his wife, Lonnie, L-O-N-I-A. Precious, precious people that God is using and going to continue to use in an incredible way there in Freeport. I want to close with the story of Louise. Again, this is one I wish I had time to tell you the whole story, but I don't. Uh, We picked Louise up. She was out on the side of the road carrying three gallons of bleach back to her apartment. We gave her a ride. Gave her some water, some food that we had there in the van, went to her apartment, and, and uh, she shows up. Nothing had been done in the apartment. Water got us about two feet in her place. Of course, it had been stored all of her furniture. Uh, the dry, none of the drywall, nothing had been taken out yet. She's still living in there inside of the black mold and all the, all that stuff. Um, but precious lady, precious lady, telling about how that she was assisting her um, her cousin in a, uh, in a ministry to others less fortunate than her. And as we were leaving, we were there with her probably about 20 minutes. And as we started to leave, I made a comment. Well, Ms. Louise, uh, uh, I take it all of your family is, was sa- is safe from the storm. And she said, no. She said, my nephew... My nephew left in the middle of the storm to meet a friend of his. They were going to help rescue some people. 
we haven't seen or heard from them since. Louise's story reminded me of another story that I heard from Ron Hutchstaff many, many years ago. He told of some folks that were standing on the shore who had watched a boat crash into the reef and capsized during a storm. Its occupants were desperately and frantically hanging onto the side of the boat as the wind and the waves were tearing the boat to pieces. We must do something, one said. Well, what can we do? They're going to drown. If we don't go out there, we'll, or if we go out there, we'll drown also. And after much debating and arguing between themselves, one of them said this, we have to go out. Listen to this, we have to go out. We don't have to come back. We have to go out. We don't have to come back. And that became the motto of a rescue station on the East Coast many, many, many years ago. Folks, most of us have been in church for a long time. A lot of us in this building this morning have been here as long as, as I was here. My wife and I joined this church in 93. We were here for a long, long time. Some of you have been here a lot longer than that. Folks, we know the good news. We know the Romans road. We can rattle it off the top of our head. All have sinned and come short of God's glory. Wages of sin is death. Eternal separation from God. But the free gift, what's the gift of God's eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord? Oh, what about that? That God would commend his love to us in that while we were still sinners, Christ would die for us. Oh, you know that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him, trust in him, should not perish but have everlasting life. Whosoever, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We had a former pastor, Pastor Joe Hudson, whose primary goal was leading this fellowship to be front and center regarding evangelism. He led us in the EE, Evangelism Explosion Ministry, for many years. And then as faith came along, introduced us to faith, and we were involved in that for many, many years. And the focus of this church the whole time that he was here was evangelism. Just tell someone else. Tell someone else your story. What's your story? Folks, we know the good news. We know the Savior. It's my prayer we'll all be more sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And that's what I've prayed continuously since I've gotten back, is that I will be more sensitive to those that I come into contact with that may have the mask on that says, Everything's cool. But inside, the storm is raging. And they haven't had the life raft thrown to them yet. You and I have the life raft. His name is Jesus. Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. And can I remind you as I close, every chance you get, praise the Lord. It's all about Jesus.
certainly appreciate that word. Brother Phil, if you'd stay close, I'd like you to come up here. If our instrumentalists come on up, Josh, come on up. Pray with me while they are moving. Father, we're, we're asking you to forgive us, Lord, and help us to repent thoroughly. Father, we so quickly choose to see the negative, to think in the negative, to follow in the negative, right in the face of all that you've done for us and your presence, and you're here. Father, you are a choice. We get to choose to see Jesus. Yes. We get to turn our whole heart towards you and just look at you instead of anything else. And then according to what we see, that it lift us and lift us and lift us up, Father, so that we have a, a word that other people don't might not have. We have a perspective that comes from you, the one who is the author and finisher of our faith, the one who defeated sin, death, hell, and the devil. It is a finished work, Amen. completed. Amen. So, Father, I just ask you, and on behalf of all of us here, as we so many times, myself included, I don't look at you. I don't fight the fight of faith. I don't, I don't see you high and lifted up, and therefore I think negatively. Father, forgive us. Just afresh and anew, I pray that your spirit wash over us, fill us up, give us fresh eyes to see you high and lifted up. And Lord, many of us are going through difficult, difficult things. You, you, you did tell us we would go through these things. But Father, give us the grace to look at you, to see you, to be filled with your spirit. Lord God, we need you. And we thank you that you're here. Thank you for what you're doing in our church right now. Thank you that you're ruling and reigning over our problem. We thank you you've gone before us. Lord, we love you today. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.